Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, small town fam. It's Yardley. I hope you're all well and looking after yourselves. The news cycle these days is so awful and brutal that we thought we'd offer a little distraction in the way of another treat from the best of our Patreon archives. These two cases are from Detective Dan, and they serve as cautionary tales to help you avoid becoming the victim of a crime. But also, if you hate exercising, the first case might be just the reason you need to cancel your gym membership. Please enjoy the Kifa Burglaries and Stu's Crew. Hey, small town super fam. Here we are again on Patreon. Oh my God. I love these visits. You guys are awesome. I have with me here, are you ready? Detective Dan. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. And I have Detective Dave. I am here again. The band is all together. So, Small Town Superfam, as you know, this is where we get the tastiest snackable content. Gentlemen, take it away. So, I get assigned this report. It's a burglary. This family had two cars. Husband and wife took one of the cars out for the afternoon. And when they came home, they find their house burglarized and the car's missing from the garage. And... The person that broke into the house stole a bunch of credit cards and like checkbooks, jewelry, etc. The other thing is he's got a garage door opener in his car. Who does? The husband? Yeah. The car that's been stolen has the garage door opener. And a lot of people don't lock that door from the garage to the main house. So if you have the garage door opener, you just click it and you have full access to the house. Plus, people keep a lot of valuable things in their garage, welders and things that can quickly be turned into dope or cash on the street. So the car and its license plate are entered onto our hot sheet, which has all the local stolen cars that are outstanding. And then over the next couple of days, we have a string of thefts. So like one occurs at a local athletic club. And this is the first time I get a look at who my offender is. The stolen car pulls into the parking lot, and I can even see the license plate. The video is really good. And a female and a male get out of the car. They're in their mid to late 20s, and they walk into the athletic club. The female walks into the women's locker room. The male walks into the men's locker room. And 
what we figure out is that some of these people that were working out there didn't lock up their stuff in a locker. They just put it in a locker and didn't actually secure the locker. My male and female suspect start rifling through people's lockers while they're working out. And they come up with car keys and they've got wallets. So they're stealing credit cards, cash, necklaces, because you don't want to break your necklace while you're working out. All kinds of things. And they go out into the parking lot. There are probably 30 cars in the parking lot. They hit the buttons to figure out which cars are open. Oh, which cars correspond to which set of keys? Which set of key fobs. And they open cars and they go through the glove compartment and people keep their registration, their insurance card in the glove compartment, and they've got an address. They know that these people are working out, so they're going to be gone for an hour or two. And they go to these nearby addresses and burglarize the house because they have keys to the house. Because they have the set of car keys that are probably with the set of house keys. Correct. How did they get past the reception desk at the athletic club? Good question. They just happened to walk in at the right time. It was kind of a perfect storm. And it just so happened that the person who was working the front desk just stepped away from the front desk for a few seconds and they slipped by. I mean, the timing of it, it's just unfortunate. So a bunch of these houses get burglarized and it's not necessarily that day. We get a few burglaries that happen in the next couple of days at these involved residences from the athletic club. One of our patrol officers, he goes and contacts somebody and he had a reason to arrest him. And they said, hey, do you want to know who's been doing all those burglaries? And he says, well, yeah, sure. Of course I want to know that. And they give him information, give him first names. And the first name is, this female's name is Amy. And the other guy, his name is Bill. So he does some checking. He can't figure out exactly what their names are, but this informant basically tells him, hey, I think they're staying over at this apartment. So those aren't their actual names? They are their actual, we don't have their last names. So I've got Amy and Bill at this point. Okay. So the patrol officer goes to the apartment that the informant directs him to, and he knocks on the front door and somebody answers the front door, sees that it's a police officer and takes off running out the back of the house. (laughs) That's not too obvious. Leaves the door open. And this patrol officer was by himself. And the person who ran, he did not recognize. He's looking for Amy and Bill at this point, but he doesn't even know what they look like yet. Oh, because you don't have last names, so you can't pull up a mugshot or anything. Exactly. So this patrol officer hangs out at the house and he notices inside there are a bunch of backpacks that are sitting inside the door. He can't break that threshold at this time. It's an illegal search. So he's standing there looking at these backpacks and he gives some descriptions and another patrol officer shows up and they start running some recently stolen property. You take a, a theft report and you start listing the stolen property, you're going to list the brand of the bag, the color, the style, and then separately the types of belongings that were inside that. So I can call dispatch or I can have another officer with a computer. They can pull up the case number and go, okay, so what was stolen in that? And they're like, well, it's a blue backpack with white straps, North Face brand. 
and this was in it and you're like, well, there's that backpack right there. So really useful if you can be detailed in your initial report because later on we come across this stuff. And I think one of them was like a Louis Vuitton wristlet. I mean, it's sitting right on the floor and it's 10 feet away from this officer. So that's when I get called in as a detective. And at this point, no one else is in the house, but I got to write a search warrant to get into this house. So it's like 1030 at night and I got to write this search warrant. I'm going to be up all night. So I have the officer hang out there at the house to make sure the house is secured. If we close the front door, who's to say that somebody else isn't going to come inside the house from the back and remove that property? And then when we serve the search warrant, we open the door and it's all gone. We're like, we look like idiots. So we just leave the door open (laughs) and we just station somebody at the front until we get the search warrant and we're blessed to go inside. So it takes me several hours to write this search warrant. And what I've got to include is I've got a pretty good feeling that all these cases that I've been assigned over the last few days, I've got to list all that property in the search warrant. Get it written, get it approved by the DA, go get it signed. It's like early the next morning. It's probably seven in the morning when I go get it signed by the judge and come back to the apartment. We serve the search warrant and I'm finding all kinds of stuff. There's stuff in upstairs bedrooms that is is tied to these burglaries and the stolen car. I've got the victim's names. I've got their IDs, their credit cards, all kinds of stuff. In one of the bags, I've got an ID with Amy's face on it and her last name. So now I've got, now I know who it is. And she matches up to the video that I've seen from the athletic club. I don't know who Bill is yet. I don't have his last name yet, but I'm running some associations with Amy through our computer system, and that's when I figure out who Bill is. They've had prior police contacts. So now I've got him. I confirm his photo, his old mugshot. I'm like, okay, these are definitely the people that I'm looking for. I flag them in our system, so if anybody has any officer or law enforcement has contact with them, that I get notified and off we go. So what I'm still looking for is I'm looking for this original stolen car that was taken during the burglary. And it was a black Ford SUV. So I go back to the station, I lodge all the recovered stolen property that I've got. And when I get done with all that paperwork, we're into the afternoon now. Like I've been up for all night and then all the way till the afternoon when I finally get finished with all this search warrant stuff. I go back out and I go a few blocks north of this apartment complex and I'm just driving down a main road and I look down a side road and I said, that might be my stolen car right there. And it's parked on the side of the road. So I flip around, go down the road and sure enough, that's my car. That's the car that I've been looking for. I'm hoping that Amy and Bill are inside this car so I can wrap this thing up finally. There's nobody inside the car and then it becomes clear to me that they've wiped this entire car down with like wet wipes. You can see the marks on the doors. Actually, the door was unlocked. So I get inside, inside this car and you can smell like the wet wipes. And there just happens to be a bag of wet wipes sitting there on the floorboard. So they've wiped this complete, they've wiped the whole car clean. I'm not going to find fingerprints or anything like that. And it's completely empty. There's no stolen property. They've basically, they're done with this car. They really are.
Hey, small town fam, it's Yardley. It's gonna be summer soon, so the potential for stinky pits is imminent. That's why I really love Lumi. I'm obsessed with their sweat control, cream deodorant. I think I've said this so many times, but honest to God, I never thought I'd use a cream deodorant because they're sloppy and gloppy and sticky and bleh. But Lumi isn't any of those things. It dries quickly, it's never sticky, and it doesn't leave any white streaks on my dark clothing. So all of those things are a win for me. If you're not familiar with Lumi, let me tell you a few things. Six years ago, an OBGYN invented her game-changing whole body deodorant, and now it has over 300,000 five-star reviews from people like me. Lumi is baking soda-free, paraben-free, and pH-balanced, so it's safe for your pits and your bits, which means you can use it below the belt. They have a lovely variety of fresh, bright scents like clean tangerine, my favorite, lavender sage, or toasted coconut. And the secret to Lumi's success is it's formulated and powered by mandelic acid. That's how it stops odor before it starts. So, small town fam, Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, my fave, and two free products of your choice, like mini body wash or deodorant wipes, and free shipping. And on top of that, as a special offer for listeners, new customers get 15% off all Lumi products with our exclusive code, which is small town. And if you combine the 15% off with the already discounted starter pack, that equals over 40% off the starter pack. So use code small town for 15% off your first purchase at lumideodorant.com. That's code small town at L-U-M-E deodorant.com. Do it. Hey, small town fam, it's Yardley. I want to talk about Pros. Pros is the custom hair and skin beauty brand where you get on their website, answer a bunch of questions about where you live and how old you are, what kind of hair you have, what kind of hair you want to have. And then from millions of possible formulas, they create a formula just for you. So I'm lucky I have a lot of hair. Most days, my hair is the boss of me. So I need shampoo and conditioner that gets my hair to calm down a little bit. So I've been using Pros for a while and one of my favorite things about it is you can choose your scent. They have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and then adjusts the formula Also, Pros is a certified B Corp. It's cruelty-free, and it's the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. So it's not only better for you, it's better for the planet. So, small-town fam, Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash town. That's right. You get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash town. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash town. Do it. Hey, folks. Detective Dave here. Let me tell you about Simply Safe, the home security system that I trust to keep my family safe. I depend on Simply Safe to provide me and my loved ones with 360 degree coverage of my property and valuables. I love the variety of monitoring sensors available with Simply Safe Home Security. 
you get a glass break sensor, which in my experience is one of the most effective tools of detecting a break-in. In addition, Simply Safe offers motion sensors, entry sensors, sirens, and flood and fire detection. With Simply Safe Home Security, I have the flexibility to use keypads at multiple entries at my house. This option is especially important to me and my family. I can provide access to people I trust and limit having multiple keys outside of my control, all at the push of a button via the Simply Safe app. It comes with a variety of cameras for indoors and outdoors. And best of all, Simply Safe is backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than $1 a day. It gives me peace of mind knowing I can leave the house, I can leave town, I can even leave the country, and I know my home is simply safe. The mobile app integration makes it so easy to make sure everything's in place in real time. I check it every day when I'm away from home. Simply Safe is the best. U.S. News and World Report named Simply Safe Best Home Security Systems 2024, and Newsweek ranked it Best Customer Service in Home Security. With Simply Safe, there are no contracts. And if you're not happy with the service or the product, they have a 60 day money back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of our listeners real peace of mind. We want you to have it too. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash smalltown. That's simplysafe.com/slash smalltown. There's no safe like Simply Safe. So I start searching social media for Amy. And I notice that she's got a friend on her friends list that I know. I know this person. So I go to him and I say, hey, how well do you know this girl? And he goes, oh man, she's bad news. Like she, she like, just went off the deep end. I know she got into drugs and she started running around with a different circle. And I was like, well, do you know how to get a hold of her? We need to have a conversation. And he says, I don't want to snitch on her. So this guy has a past and he's cleaned up his past, but he still kind of lives by that code where he doesn't want to snitch on anybody. And I get that. But at the same time, like these people are just running wild in our town. They've done so many things. I get assigned another case where they went to a coffee shop. It's a drive-up coffee shop. And Amy and Bill had placed their orders. And when the barista turned to make their orders, they reached in the tip jar and took all the cash out of there. I mean, it's like, if it's not bolted down, they're taking it. And I've got great surveillance video from that one. And I'm like, well, that's Amy and that's Bill. So... I talked to this person who's familiar with Amy and I said, Hey, like I could really use your help. I'm, I need some assistance in this. I think I'd been up for like 40 plus hours at that point. So he says, well, I have a feeling that she's staying at the certain motel. This person with a past who doesn't want to snitch. Yeah. He says, I will help you out. I just want you to leave my name out of the, out of the report. And I'm like, no problem. Just point me in the direction. And he says, I think that Amy is staying at this old motel. Great. So I go back to the station, grab a couple guys. I grabbed the patrol officer who had went to the apartment originally, and the person ran out the back. Uh, He's been home now and slept and came for his new shift. So he's on, and I'm like, perfect, I'll grab you. You already helped me out for this. So I need a patrol car, uniform presence, 
if we catch Amy or Bill driving, I want to do a traffic stop. And I can't do that in my unmarked car. Oh. Because I actually didn't even have overhead lights in my unmarked car. It was like completely undercover car. Okay. So take this uniform patrol officer. There are like four cars of us heading up to this motel. And as we pull up to this motel, I'm preparing to pull into the parking lot of the motel. I look to my left and there's this blue Buick. And I look in and I'm like, well, that's Amy and that's Bill. And they're driving out of the parking lot. Amy looks right at me, makes eye contact with me. And I think she was like, that kind of looks like a cop. And then you see three other cars behind me, including a patrol car. And she knew right away. She's like, oh, the cavalry has come to get me. And I get on the radio and I'm going to turn around on Amy. And I tell the patrol car, who's the last in line of our little caravan that we've got, I said, stop that car. That's our suspects. That's Amy and Bill. You need to turn around on that car and stop that car. Well, by the time he turns around on him, she's gone. Pursuit is on. She takes us through this uh, residential neighborhood. Speeds are 50 miles an hour in a 25 zone. And it's a really windy road. She ends up popping out on a main thoroughfare and takes us into the neighboring city. And this is where she kind of amped it up. She's going 70, 75 miles an hour on a 35 mile an hour road. And she's blowing through lights. And at that point, we say terminate. Terminate the pursuit? Terminate. It's not worth it. We've got property crimes and burglaries. We're not going to endanger the public. And you know who it is. And they're identified. We know who we're looking for. Right. So we terminate the pursuit. We slow down to regular driving speed and we continue on just to see if maybe they ditch the car. But a lot of times, what do they do, Dave? They drive over their heads and they crash. And that's what Amy did. Oh. And we hadn't been pursuing her for over a minute and she still continued driving at breakneck speeds and she tried to get around traffic to go through another light and she hit a concrete median and blew a tire and she ended up sliding sideways into a business. Right as the car stops and the doors fly open, we begin arriving on the scene and everyone runs. There are three occupants. So Amy runs westbound, Bill runs southbound and this other person just kind of tries to casually walk away. Who's the other person? The other person is uh, friends with both of them. I don't have any PC for, for them. He's just in a car that took off from the police. Yeah, and he's like, well, what do I do? I run. What am I running for? <laughs> oh, shit, there's a lot of cops around. And we get him into custody. The patrol officer ran after Amy and caught Amy. And then I ran after Bill and I caught Bill. So we round them all up, take them back to the station, and the other person is free to go. Like, we end up kicking them loose. Like, hey, I've got nothing for you. I, I ID them just for purposes of knowing who was in the car and my report, and I kick them loose. Have the car towed back to the station. I ended up getting consent, which I was happy for because I didn't have to write another search warrant. I got consent to search the car, which was not stolen. It was actually Amy's aunt's car, I think. The motel room that was rented in Bill's name, I ended up getting consent for, so I didn't have to write a search warrant for the motel room. Who gives you consent for the motel room? Bill does. 
I end up sending detectives outside our department to go search the car. I send two detectives up to the motel to search the motel. They're calling me on the phone. Hey, are you looking for this? Yes. We start finding all kinds of stolen property and we're running names of stolen credit cards, all that. Uh, It's all coming back to victims of burglaries and thefts and unlawful entry into vehicles. So we're checking all the boxes, recovering a lot of property. We're not recovering everything. There's dope in the hotel room. Of course, it's meth. And then I interview Amy and Bill, and I think they were just tired at this point. I think they'd been up for a while, probably as long as I had, because they were meth users. And Amy was a little tougher nut to crack, but Bill pretty much gave it up from the get-go. Bill ended up getting five years in prison. He pled guilty and took five years in prison. Amy, we come to find out, is like really the ringleader of this whole thing. She was pushing all the buttons, telling people what they were going to do, Bill and these other people that they had involved in this. And she ended up getting like nine years in prison for all these burglaries. Amy had dabbled in some drug use and then got out of it. But when she relapsed, she relapsed really, really hard. And this just shows you how fast your life can unravel. Her relapse to her going to prison all happened in about four months. So she was gainfully employed. Uh, I think she worked in a medical office. And then she went out partying one night, tried meth, and she fell off the rails again. And within a week or two, she had lost her job. She's hitting the meth really hard. She loses her house because she can't pay rent. And now she's living out of motels and cars and couch surfing, and she starts committing crimes to support her drug habit. And that's what we have here. You know what? One of the things that I always ask, if treatment is made available to you, do you want to go through treatment? And most of them say yes, but people aren't going to take treatment seriously until they're ready to. It's kind of like disclosures that Dave talks about of these people who have been sexually abused, they have to be ready. Sure. And sometimes it's the police intervention that is the catalyst for them to say, oh my God, my life is completely out of control. I need to stop this right now. But it isn't always. Well, there you have it. Small town super fam. Thank you for being here. You guys are awesome. Detective Dan, that's a job well done. Thank you. Detective Dave. Thanks for being here. Yeah. I remember that case. I was on the tail end of that pursuit. Wasn't it you and your partner that searched the hotel room? Yeah. Went out and searched the room. And I was like, it's a burglary case. It's not a real person crime case. Like, let's go wrap this up. (laughs) I love it when the band is all together. Likewise. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com 
Dan, I remember you told me this story some time ago, and I never forgot it because while this guy is a shithead car thief, I also thought, wow, that is quite a scam you're running there, dude. Yeah, so this guy, Stu, ran around with a crew of car thieves, Stu and his crew. They, uh, <laughs> they stole a lot of cars, and they were really good at it. And we're talking 1990 to 97 Hondas and Acuras. Because 98, they changed the ignition on the Honda Accord and in the Acura, and it made it a little more difficult. Just to be clear, those are the years of cars they were stealing, not when they were stealing the cars. Correct. Okay. 1990 to 1997 body style, Honda and Acura. So these guys were very good, and they were prolific car thieves. And they would go out in a night, and they would steal four or five cars all over town in our neighboring town. What they'd always do is they'd pull the stereos out. Anything that was basically of value, they'd yank it out of there and move on and grab a different car. So they didn't take the car itself. They just took what was in it. Oh, they took the car. They took the car to another location that was a little more remote. They would pull all the stuff out, walk a block, or get picked up by their partners. Or if they weren't getting picked up, they'd walk down the block, they'd find another car because it was a very common car, and they'd steal another one using shaved keys. So you can take like a, your normal Honda key, and if you shave it down enough for those model years, 90 to 97, you shave it down enough where it's kind of a general blank at that point. You put it in the ignition, jiggle it around, and all of a sudden, ignition turns over and you're off to the races again. Shut up. If they found a car that they really, really liked, they would bondo over like on the firewall. So if you pop the hood on the car in the firewall, they would bondo over the VIN number that's imprinted in that. And they had access to factory paint. So they would reprint a different VIN number into the bondo that actually looked like it was factory printed there. And then they would paint over it with the factory matching paint. So if they were stopped by an officer, You've got the VIN number that's right at the base of the windshield on the driver's side, and they would print their own little VIN plates that would match up with, because the second most common place to look for the VIN number is that firewall in the engine compartment. So those VINs would match, and they wouldn't come back as stolen, and they'd just drive around in these cars like it was no big deal. Wow. The other thing that this crew was doing, so one of them worked at a stereo store, like a car stereo store. And by all accounts, I've heard many accounts that this guy was really talented at installing car stereos and had a very, very good skill. He just had sticky fingers too. So he would install a car stereo, but maybe not go all the way with it. He would leave a couple screws out. That to the naked eye, you probably couldn't see. Yeah, that you couldn't see. He'd put the speakers in there and everything. And if somebody had their garage door opener, he had access to all these garage door openers. He'd pop the garage door opener, see what the numbers were for the frequency on that garage door opener. So he would clone that garage door opener. These people would go home with their car, with their brand new stereo. A night or two later, Stu and the crew would come by They'd hit the garage door that they've cloned. Garage door goes open. They get into the car. Meanwhile, they've also, 
they've either got shaved keys or they had the keys to the car, so they duplicated the key. Oh, my God. And they would go in, and here's where the fewer screws, the normal, comes in, because now they can take all that stuff out, and they're saving themselves a few seconds or minutes by not having to undo all these screws. So that's how they're breaking into these cars. They ended up getting caught. We had some informants that came forward that were telling us about Stu's crew's secrets, but these guys were really good. And they're still around town. They're not out stealing cars anymore. They're not? We chased one of them a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Stealing cars? Not stealing cars. Got back into the methamphetamine, but driving. Turned into a pursuit, a foot chase, and a fight. So most of them have grown up and moved on to actual legitimate business. But some of them relapse every once in a while, and you'll hear their name again, hear that they got arrested, and you're like, ah, I remember the good old days when those guys are out running around. Yeah, it made life a lot of fun. Well, Stu, I mean, I had heard, you know, through the the rumor mill that this black Volkswagen bug, one of the newer models, not like the 60s models, but a newer one, was stolen. And it had a temp tag driver's license plate in it, temp tag. So there wasn't a license plate to really match up to this car because I can't just run those numbers on those temp tags. We can now. Oh, you can? That's nice. Yeah, we can now. Well, back in the day, we couldn't. So the rumor was this car is stolen and that they've doctored all the VIN numbers on this car. And I think a typical car has, it's at least like 14 VIN numbers. If you know where to look, there are like 14 different VIN numbers on a car. Something like that. Yeah. Don't ask me. (laughs) Uh, So I see this car one night. I see him driving. I'm going to wait for a probable cause to pull this car over. And then I'm going to find out if this is a stolen car. He goes to turn into the Walmart and doesn't signal his turn. So I pull Stu over. And... Stu is cool as a cucumber. Do you recognize him, like, on a first-name basis? Oh, yeah. Stu? Yeah. Yeah, we've seen each other before. Before I pulled this car over, I said, hey, I'm going to be traffic with a newer model black Volkswagen Beetle. And everybody on our shift kind of knew that there was this rumor that there was a Beetle rolling around that was stolen, but it would be really hard to prove. So I ended up pulling Stu out of the car. He's completely cooperative. He's being nice and everything. I think he had a suspended license at the time, but that really is not a big deal. That really pales in comparison to a potential stolen car charge. So I'm checking the VIN numbers, and the VIN numbers are all matching up with what they're supposed to be, right? So I'm, already, I'm kind of prepared for this. I already know that the VIN numbers should match up because I know what these guys do to cars. So I end up getting into the back seat and I lifted one of the back seats up and there's a VIN number under the back seat. And they didn't change that one. Uh-oh. And that came back to a stolen car. Oh. So I got Stu. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Stu. That crew, I mean, they've been around forever and we've chased them for years and years and years. Unfortunately, they've crashed their cars a couple times and it's cost a couple of them their lives for running from the police and crashing their cars at really high speeds and stolen cars. You know, it's just stupid. We've given these tips out before, but these guys will go around, we call them car clouders, people that break into cars in the middle of the night. Why clouders? I don't know. I don't know what the origination of that is either. Yeah. So they're basically just prowling neighborhoods, going up to cars and... Uh, we get these calls from someone who says, hey, there's two guys on bikes with flashlights going back and forth across the street looking into car windows. Most reasonable people will go, I wonder what they're doing. 
right? They're looking for cars to break into. So they'll look for electronics. If you got stuff out, if you got a bag, it might be empty, but they're like, what's in that bag? And the curiosity kills them, and they have to break that window or get into that car to see what's in the bag. So electronics cords, anything that's out that somebody goes, there's something valuable right there. I'm, I'm taking it. So just the cord, even if nothing's attached to it, don't leave the cord in your car. Right. The other thing is people leave their garage door openers out in their car in the driveway. So these guys, while going through the car, grab the garage door opener and say, they're going to go to work tomorrow and I got their garage door opener right here. So they walk by at about 9 or 10 o'clock in the morning, hit the garage door, no car in the driveway, no car in the garage, walk right in. Burglary. Wow. So I always tell people, I'm like, hey, take your phone, take your laptop, take your wallet. I've seen people leave their keys on their seat. Take it all inside. Don't leave your garage door opener in your car outside. Even if you're in somebody else's parking lot, like you're at the store, because your registration, if somebody breaks into your car and they see your registration, we have people grab titles and registration and insurance documents all the time because your address is going to be on it. So they grab your garage door opener there and they're like, well, they're at the store right now. I'm going to their house. Right. Yeah. The other, this happens fairly frequently. People warming up their cars in the morning. And leaving the car while it warms up? Leave the car on. They go to a convenience store. You got a couple of people loitering out front. They go to the convenience store, leave the car on, go inside. It's only going to be a couple minutes, right? How long does it take to walk over to a car, open the door, get in the driver's seat, and back away? Ten seconds. Right. So we get those stolen cars all the time. I don't get why you would go into a store and leave your car on. I don't think I've ever done that. People do it all the time. Yeah. That's bananas. Well, you don't have to warm your car up in L.A. either. I know, but that's crazy. I always go... So you were warming your car up. When was the last time you were outside? I was only inside for like 15 minutes. 15 minutes? Yeah. We always say in this town or in this county, given the drug issues, the property crimes are way up. People break into cars. People steal cars. That if it's not nailed down, it's walking. It's gone. Right. Yeah. The other, and we talked about this yesterday, how they break windows. Spark plugs. Oh, yeah. So one of the... He was part of Stu's crew. He would take the plastic coat hanger, the base of the plastic coat hanger, the longest, straightest piece. You break the plastic coat hanger so you've got that longest, straightest piece, and then you put your spark plug tip at the very end of it. You just tape it on there. And if you pull that back, if you flex that thing and let it go, it swings forward with pretty good velocity and that spark plug tip is going to hit the glass and it will shatter the glass pretty quietly, actually. Otherwise, they'll just flick these shards of the spark plug against the window. It kind of makes popping sound and boom, they're into your car. Because the porcelain is denser than the glass, you told me. Yeah. It's nuts. Pool balls, billiards balls. Really? Yeah. Devastating the glass. I did not know these things. I did not know that, Sam, I am. (laughs) Well, there you go, small town fam. Do not leave shit in your car. Don't do it. Don't do it. Trying to prevent you from being a victim of frustrating broken windows and property crimes. 
That's the biggest thing about your car getting broken into. It's usually not the valuables that really pisses you off. It's now I got to go get my window fixed. I've had my car broken into, not recently, but I have had. And I, and I will say it's actually quite violating. They took the radio, I think, and this was ages ago, and I didn't care about that. But it did bother me that somebody had been in my car who wasn't supposed to be, who didn't have any respect for the rules that the rest of us follow in order for society to function well. Yeah. Small Town Dicks is produced by Gary Scott and Yardley Smith and co-produced by Detectives Dan and Dave. This episode was edited by Logan Heftel, Gary Scott, and me, Yardley Smith. Our associate producers are Aaron Gaynor, The Real Nick Smitty, and Alec Cowan. Our music is composed by John Forrest. Our editors extraordinaire are Logan Heftel and Soren Bajan. And our books are cooked and cats wrangled by Ben Cornwell. If you like what you hear and want to stay up to date with the show, visit us on our website at smalltowndicks.com. Small Town Dicks would like to thank Speech Docs for providing transcripts of this podcast. You can find these transcripts on our episode page at smalltowndicks.com. And for more information about Speech Docs and their service, please go to speechdocs.com. And join the Small Town fam by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at at Small Town Dicks. We love hearing from you. And if you support us on Patreon, your subscription will give you access to exclusive content and merchandise that isn't available anywhere else. Go to patreon.com slash smalltowndickspodcast. That's right. Your subscription also makes it possible for us to keep going to small towns across the country in search of the finest, rare, true crime cases told, as always, by the detectives who investigated them. So thanks for listening, small town fam. Nobody's better than you.